Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is The Ruck, and we are really delighted to have you with us for our last show of the year. Many people have said they couldn't have got through 2020 without us. We haven't met them, and we don't believe them. Indeed, we believe they are actually just bots that Mike, our producer, purchased on the internet. But this, for the last time in the hardest year known to rugby, is The Ruck. I'm Owen Slot, and I am joined by the great Steve Jones and the arguably more awesome Alex Lowe. And for one last time, we're going to try and be full of good cheer and pretend that we're not as pissed off with it all as the rest of you. So, hello, gents, and good to see you. How was your Christmas? Let's let's pretend that we're really just doing our post-Christmas finale. Was it good for you, Jonesy? Excellent. I was in excellent company. I was out doing. A, I did a fifteen-mile run on uh, round the Eaton Rowan Lake on Christmas Day. And uh, yesterday, as usual, I don't know if anyone knows, I'm a member of the Royal Berkshire Hunt, and I went out uh, hunting with on my horse called Midnight. I went out hunting yesterday. Uh, had a magnificent few hours across the shires. I really enjoyed it. I thought I saw you, Jonesy, because I, I got a paddleboard for Christmas. A what? And uh, I, yeah, a paddleboard. I took it out on the Eaton Dorney Lake, and I saw this chap was, was that thundering you? around. The, yeah, yeah, that was me in the middle. Yeah. You had difficulty missing us. No, it, it was great. No animals were killed in the uh, in the process of it. We did track a, a, a gerbil at one stage, but uh, we lost the scent. So I actually really enjoyed it. And don't don't knock hunting, whatever you do. <laughs> I genuinely did get a paddleboard for Christmas. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I love it actually. Oh, it's not quite the weather for it, but um, is that the one you lie on and paddle with your hands? No, it's the one you stand on precariously and. Try not oh, to fall yeah. off into the river. Oh, it, no, I've seen a lot of people on, the, on paddle boards around the uh, flood relief scheme around here. Seriously. Yeah. Standing up and going along, yeah. It's, I love it. It's amazing. Arthur, is the lake in your garden big enough for... Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can practice getting up and down on, on my own lake, but uh, there isn't quite enough room to, to, to zoom around on it. Maybe when we have a, a rock out into to Lawrence's country estate, you can you can use it there. Yeah, every time Lawrence invites us to his country estate, I keep on going to the wrong one, and he's always at the, he was at the other one. I got a sheep for Christmas. I know you think I'm joking. I got a sheep for Christmas. I've always wanted one. He's outside. You can see him out there now. And I got some jet black hair dye, which I'm going to use this to um, to update my image. Seriously, glossy black hair hair dye. I'm just sick of being grey. <laughs> so um, 
I'm going to use that, so I should be very attractive uh, from January onwards. What about you, Slotty? Uh, Jones's hair dye sort of uh, is quite close to the mark, actually, because I got a syrup, um, which, uh, <laughs> but uh, it didn't come with any glue. So uh, I'm ho- hoping that uh, maybe Christmas in the year time I'll get get the glue and I can get get the whole new look going as well. Exactly. Youth is in this year, in, in, in 2021. Youth is in. Okay. That's tremendous, uh, tremendous Christmas news for everyone. I'm very pleased. So that's just to kick off uh, our Christmas ruck, I've got a little quiz for you boys. And I'm going to start with a, a couple of a couple of easy open goals. Who Come on, the... how can I be in a quiz with Arthur? Well, he knows everything. No, no, I hate qu- oh, I hate no, quizzes. No, right, go on. Don't pretend Christmas, you don't. Christmas quiz. I'll put a fake smile on. Okay, Jonesy. One of the things that's happened in 2020 is Arthur started to suffer from quiz anxiety. Is he? <laughs> I'm going to pray on that then. Well, listen to him. I mean, he's 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 backing out before it even started. Yeah, he's masterminded. Yeah, he must well, be so, nervous. How embarrassing would it be if he cocks this up? I think it, I think it, it traces back to getting a hospital pass from Slotty to have to appear on a BT Sport quiz, which I, in which I was roundly embarrassed by Ugo ah, Monia, Tim okay. okay. So All right, blame Slotty. Bring it on then. In that case. Okay. All right. Well, well, good luck, Alex, then, because... Um, you need it. Thanks. <laughs> Who was the Premiership Player of the Year? In- Hang on. How are we doing this? Do we just shout out the answers? Well, I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's... Um, okay, 1-0 to Arthur. <laughs> yeah. Hang on a minute. Can you ask that question again? The end of the question. So, yeah, Arthur, he sold a little dummy by, by, by attracting... <laughs> somewhere else. Hang on. Okay, Jones, you can have a crack at this as well, then. What's the question? In the season 19, 2019 to 2020... Jack Willis. Yeah, well done. That's a point Thank each you. of you. I'm not sure how... In the, in the 2019-20 season... I'm going to stop introducing which season we're in because we know that. In, in the 2019-20 Premiership season, who was the leading try scorer? I'll give you a clue. I think he got maybe three minutes for England this, uh, this autumn. Dan Robson. Ollie Thorley. Oh, Ollie Thorley. Ollie Thorley. <laughs> 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 well, well on Jonesy, there's two points each. Yeah. Which fly half was told by his club two years ago that he was surplus to requirements? Reese Priestland. Very good. Reese Priestland. In the 2019-2020 Premiership season, who was the leading point scorer? Joe Simmons. I've just given you a clue in the last question. Reese Priestland. Reese Priestland is indeed the answer. Oh, right. <laughs> so when I said Reese Priestland, I was answering the next question as well. <laughs> Which number nine scored the most tries in the 2019-20 Premiership season? Robson. Well done, Jonesy. Robson scored seven tries, second in line with five tries, and equal with the much-missed Cobus Reinach was who? Number nines, that is. Mickey Young? No, he plays inside uh, Reese Priestland, if, if that helps at all. Ben Spencer. Indeed, Ben Spencer. Ben Spencer and Dan Robson uh, pretty high on the try-scoring rankings for the year in 2020 which number nine had the most game time for england <laughs> i got that Toto finished, which number nine had the second most game time for england willie hines willie hines how many games for england did ben spencer get one zero. Oh, zero. what did you not come on in the world cup final oh that yes, doesn't count does it last year Oh, except the Premiership season had already started by then, Slotty. But yeah, so I, I can see why, you, why you're confused there, but that's irrelevant. Second to Ben Young's, who played the most games for England in 2020? What, the, wasn't Ben Young's or Willie Hines? Yeah, uh, we're, we're, there's, there's, 
Dan Robson played more games than Willie Hines. I'm very confused with that question. The point I'm trying to make is that 32-year-old Willie Hines, when he plays for England, he gets an average of 25 minutes per game. When the 28-year-old Robson, who's possibly arguably the number nine of the future, or certainly a game-breaker who England would want to develop, when he plays for England, he averages 10 minutes per game. Yeah, ridiculous. Spencer Mine has amassed a grand total of two international caps under Eddie Jones, and his average number of minutes on the pitch is five. So a um, bit of a trust issue there. Who won European Player of the Year? Sam Simmons. Joe Simmons. Sam Simmons, indeed. Oh, Sam Simmons. It was, it, was, it was Sam Simmons. And how many times was he selected to play for his country this year? Never. None. Well done, Jonesy. <laughs> You're using um, this quiz to make a few points, Slotty, aren't you? There's a bit of an editorial <laughs> slant going on here. No, not at all. I don't know why he'd say that. Which other English... <laughs> Which other English-European players of the year in the last decade have been similarly <laughs> ignored by the England selectors? Nick Abendanen. Yeah, there's one. There's two more, or arguably Ooh. three. Last year's European uh, Alex player. Good. Alex Good. Alex Good. Alex Good. Oh, yeah. Good one. Alex Good, Nick Abendanen. And... 2014 European Player of the Year. Played for Toulon. Chris Ashton. No, his brother's called Delon. Does that help? Oh, yes, yeah, Stefan oh, Armitage, yeah. yes. Yeah, Stefan Armitage, yeah. <laughs> Oh Good question. Super answer. I could also arguably give you Johnny Wilkinson in 2013, though he, he had retired by that stage. All right, uh, the, the running scores, I've lost count of already, but it's really tight, everyone. <laughs> I think I'm just ahead. Which of the following nations won the fewest test matches in 2020? Wales, Japan, Italy or South Africa? Japan. Italy. Japan and South Africa. Well, and Arthur, it is Japan and South Africa. Um, oh, that's a dirty trick question. <laughs> it, it is actually because um, we need a new, a new concept for 2020 called the Match Results Resolutions Committee to decide that Italy's sole victory in inverted commas was the 28 nil that they uh, were accorded in the game that was cancelled against a COVID struck Fiji. Right. Um, okay. Which of the following nations had the lowest test match winning ratio in 2020? The lowest winning ratio. Scotland, Fiji or New Zealand? Fiji. New Zealand. Well, Jonesy, New Zealand. New Zealand on 50%. Fiji were at 100%. No, I'm, 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 I'm ignoring Fiji's 28 nils that they lost week after week. That's possibly oh, a bit great unfair. Great question. Great question. We ought to have buzzers next year. We'll get buzzers. The, uh, Who's your hunting horn, Jonesy? <laughs> Want to get your hunting trump out? Don't tempt him. He's gone now. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be back in five minutes with, with Middy. He's looking on the shelf behind him. Come on, Soddy. Okay. <laughs> can, you, can you answer quizzes while at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> Told you. Due to the fact this was a slightly strange year, World Rugby didn't announce a uh, World Player of the Year. So instead, they decided to construct a team of the decade. How many Englishmen were in the team? None. none. Very good. There were none. There was an Italian and a Welshman, but no Englishman. Who was the sole Welshman? George North. Exactly. Well, yeah, who um, hadn't played well for three years. Correct. And why not Alan Wynne-Jones? That's a rhetorical question. You can't really answer that. Who should have been the scrum half and who was the scrum half? Aaron Smith should have been... Correct. And Connor Murray was a scrum half. Oh, he's brilliant. Jonesy, stopping up, mate. Well done. Well done. You are going to ask us how many women were English women were in the women's team, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Well, there, there were eight really? England women in the 
team of the de- world team of the decade. Okay, Mike, can you give uh, can you give Jonesy an extra five points for that? Because he just invented a question and answered it w- without um, any due warning at all. Hang on, can I do that as well? Can I just make up a question? Yeah, I said oh, well, once Lottie asked the question about the men, I've just been fair and asked about the women. And I, I was also on the panel which chose it. That's probably why you know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on the panel that chose the men's one as well? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't admit to that if I was. No, I wasn't. <laughs> At the start of the year, barely a week went by without Saracen's delighted rivals inventing new punishments to inflict on them for their salary cap breaches. By the end of it all, how many points have they managed to dock Saracen's? 105. Correct. Being docked 105 points made it arguably quite hard for the Saracen's to fight relegation. If they had been docked 39 points, mind, they would have survived. In that case, who would have been relegated instead? Leicester. Leicester Tigers. Very good. I think Jones just put you to it there, Arthur. You need to think of that question of yours. Numerous punishments were inflicted on Saracens, including one of the following. Can you name me which one of the following was one of the one of the more ingenious punishments inflicted on Saracens? Was it A, they got stripped of their titles, or was it B, Maro Itoje had to endure an entire game without patting his teammates on the backside after winning a turnover? Or was it or was it C? They were allowed to keep their trophies, but only if they hid them from view. C. It's definitely C. <laughs> it was indeed C. Oh. They were allowed to keep them if they were hidden from view. Bizarre. So where are they? Do we know where they are? I know where they are. They're, they're at uh, Allianz Park, prominently displayed in the entrance <laughs> hall. <laughs> Finally, on the Saracens front, Saracens have their club values painted across the top of the grandstand. Which of the following values are not painted on the top of said grandstand? Discipline, honesty, work rate, humility, accurate accounting. <laughs> accurate accounting. <laughs> Very good, Jonesy. At the last you've admitted it was inaccurate accounting. (laughs) (laughs) England sat down at the start of the year that their ambition was to be the best team of all time. Did they get close? No, no, not not by any measure. I reckon, in answer to your question, seriously, I've seen eight England teams better than this one. That's in England. And they're not remotely, anything remotely like that. They were once on one day against New Zealand in, is it Yokohama? Yeah. Yeah. But apart from that, never. And to say things like that by Eddie makes them look absolutely ludicrous. How many points for that? Well, that takes you to the tiebreaker, which is, in the Autumn Nations Cup final, England played a third-choice France team in which Owen Farrell alone had more caps than the whole French team put together. How long did it take for England to win that game? Was it 80 minutes, 86 or 96 minutes? 96. Oh, that's too exciting. They said it was going to die. <laughs> we share the trophy. Very exciting. Oh, that's, the end, that's the end of my well, quiz. So I went on count back on the basis that I didn't answer the, the, my own question. Your paddleboard's bigger than Jonesy's, but his <laughs> all bigger than yours. Fair yeah, play. He definitely I, catched I, me up I, on I, I, I kept with Arthur all the way then. Honestly. <laughs> it was like the Cook Islands beating the All Blacks almost. We could make the other tiebreaker. Um, if Eddie Jones England aren't the greatest team of all time, then who is? The New Zealand team of 2005 that played the Lions. Jonesy, what, what would you argue? The best All Black team I've ever seen, no question, was 1996. The 95 team could have been had they not been poisoned by uh, 
the waitress for the 1995 final. But 1996, the All Blacks went to South Africa when South Africa were the reigning world champions and beat them four times in four Saturdays. One was in the Southern Hemisphere International Competition, then the next three were a test series where the, uh, where the All Blacks had never won. And the intensity of that test series was unbelievable. I, I wouldn't put too far behind, frankly, the 03 England team that was such so full of characters, winners, and uh, tough, tough guys. And, um, you know, we all make fun of Matt Dawson now. No, we didn't, he didn't appear to be very popular. My goodness, he was a brilliant player in 03. So 03 or... No- 1996, but uh, Arthur's uh, choice is a good one as well. Yeah, your your 03, Steve, is a, is a bit a bit awkward with Lawrence if he listens to this. He's um, <laughs> might feel a bit pleased with himself. Well, Lawrence feeling pleased with himself. <laughs> <laughs> serious. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I think it's now time for us to go on to a familiar old feature of this podcast that we haven't heard enough of in 2020, probably because there's enough other items to complain about. So um, should we do uh, Jones Moans of of the year just gone? Jones Moans, this is one you may have heard before. The previous nine tours by the British and Irish Lions, every single coach's report without fail has begged for more preparation time before the next tour they have begged they've put it in writing and they've been assured in almost every case there would be and it is absolutely despicable this time that the lions again have to play probably big games on saturday meet on sunday go to a stupid dinner on sunday night go to south africa the next day arrive on tuesday morning it is ridiculous that should happen in the modern game and shame on the following people who have all been on the Lions committee and had and could have done something about it. Andy Irvin, Gerald Davis, Tom Grace, Jason Leonard, John Fian. These guys were all there and did nothing about it, especially John Spencer, who promised he would. And now poor old Warren Gatland and the team are in exactly the same place. Uh, I, I think that's disgraceful. Now, is that a good one, Slotty, to start off? I thought that was a cracker. Is that coming in as number three? Is that not even your worst moan? 
No, that was number one. I, I want to start, I want to get straight into it. That was number one. So, so they're going to be and a bit more cheerful from now on, are they? If anyone tells you that they couldn't move the tour back because the Southern Hemisphere teams refused, it's utter rubbish. If our tour, if the Lions tour makes £100 million minimum for the home economy, we can go whenever we want. Let's be fair, we've got a £100 million weapon to use and it wasn't used. Number two moans is the outrageous secrecy of modern rugby. The media, we, we may be a, a shifty bunch, but actually we're quite hardworking and we are a conduit for the public. World Rugby, PRL and other major unions are so secretive, so unbelievably secretive in, in putting stuff out and sharing it with the public that it is a disgrace. And for World Rugby not to come out with a huge reaction uh, to the recent uh, dementia claims and etc. is pathetic. PRL may as well not exist. They've got the, the profile of a gnat which is hopeless, and let's hope that Nigel Melville comes back and does something about it. Thirdly, <laughs> the horrible softness of the modern media is my third moan. We're there to be accountable for England national teams in all sports for a start, but because our sports desks, or at least some of our sports desks, present company excluded there, have demanded that everything is quotes-based. What happens after a dreadful England performance is that we hear Eddie Jones's excuses before we hear the, the, the words of the rugby correspondents. Now, I don't want to go back in time as if I'm old father time, even though I look a bit like him. But in the old days, not so long ago, if England were bad, they would have to run the gauntlet of the Sunday Times, the Sunday Telegraph, the Sunday Independent, the Sunday Correspondent, the Observer, the Mail on Sunday, the Sunday Express, all battering England for being poor. Nowadays, all we get in most papers is Eddie's excuses, so that he's able to get in first and say, say whatever he likes. If you add to that the feeble softness of the RFU's own mouthpiece with their diddy videos, etc., all the chummy websites and all that where everyone's terrified to say anything and you get the softest rugby media in the history of the sport. Alex, you've still got your... You're still on mute. I'm the one who often has to write the quotes pieces after England games. So I guess I'd say that I completely agree with what Jonesy's point in that we, we, need to, we need independent, unbiased correspondents like you, Slotty, and you, Jonesy, to, to give a, an appraisal of, of what's happened. I think there's also a service that, that we, we need to report what is being said and and that will be counted put into context by the words of, of the correspondents who are who are there giving their you know, reporting on the game and, and giving their opinion. If we if we never report what Eddie or any coach, Gareth Southgate or Jose Mourinho, if we never report what they say, then I don't think the public get the chance to make their own mind up about whether they believe it or not. You know, I totally agree with that. But you take Mourinho, we're now at this hateful stage where a match between, say, uh, Chelsea and uh, Spurs is known as Mourinho v Lampard. Absolutely yeah. ludicrous. Yeah, but football's got to a point where it's become a, a soap opera of the managers in that 
that the whole week is structured. You know, Sky Sports News will go live to take the press conference from a certain manager, which back in the day wouldn't have happened because back in the day, before my time, but you would have gone to the car park at the training ground and got invited in by Harry Redknapp for a cup of coffee and and, and a chat. Or that That's just not the way that the structure works. I, I, and I agree. The soap opera. Josie, you mentioned Lions. Let's talk a little bit about Lions because that, that's something positive for uh, for the new year. First of all, do we think we're going to get a Lions tour? I would have said definitely yes two or three weeks ago, but... Um, now I'm not so sure. I would have said like 60, 40, yes. Oh, and now with this uh, mutant virus and all that, I think probably 40, 60 against now. should be a terrible shame. And I think the question is, you can always have uh, games, sadly, without spectators. Can you have a Lions tour if the fans can't go? I think that's a step too far. I don't so, think so. I, I don't think South Africa will want it anyway. They no. want you know, oh. economically, it doesn't help them at all if to, to 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 do that. Well, they they have they got no sign of starting to uh, inoculate people or anything like that. So, terribly, terribly sad. But I mean, look, until it's off, we can always talk lions because it's interesting, and just hope for the best. But Boris has said that we'll have uh, life back to a version of normal by Easter, but he didn't say which year he was talking about. No, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. Or he didn't say what normal is either. If we do go. Who are your Lions players to watch out for? I think everybody knows the, the, the main contenders. I think 10, 12 is going to be re- really interesting. I, I've got a couple of names. Um, first of all, if he stays fit between now and then, the, my man will not only be a Lion, but a Test Lion. On the other hand, he might never play again this season. And that is a guy I have always thought is world-class. That's Duncan Taylor. I think if Duncan Taylor has a run of games, not only is he a big lad, but he can also play, he can offload, he can change direction. And I think it would be fabulous for him because he spent most of his career injured. I think two others. I think Max Malins is now rapidly running down all other contenders as England fullback, even though he's not a fullback. Although he played superbly for Bristol against uh, Connaught in, in another European epic. Thirdly, a longer shot. I want to know what's happened to Adam Beard at the Ospreys because two years ago he was the new Alan Wynne Jones or maybe the new Luke Charteris. I just thought he was a magnificent player. So he's the long shot. I'd like to see him come through. Max Malin is Duncan Taylor. I think it would be fascinating because I think if they get there, they could become test players. The timing is key, isn't it, for, for the Lions tour, for a lot of the players, particularly the ones that we get excited about, the, the bolters, because suddenly if it gets delayed by a year, then those who are on the rise now may have yeah. may, may have had their first flush and, and have been found out a bit. And you know, obviously those, those really in a purple patch who you get excited about, a, a Jack Willis, for example, or... I mean, goodness, an Alfie Barbary that mainly can't do anything wrong. I mean, it's a big, it's a big call to suggest that that a kid will go from a debut to a, to a Lions tour, uh, you know, a Premiership debut to a Lions tour in in less than twelve months. But everything he touches turns to gold at the moment. He's he's got the dynamism, the attitude, the the handling skills. He doesn't mind putting his boot on it uh, with a bit of dexterity. He, he's he, he's class. It's just whether whether a Lions tour this year is, is attainable, but um, he's certainly the future. Jack Willis, obviously. A couple of others, James Lowe and uh, Duan van der Merwe, who are both qualified in the last couple of months. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the conversation 
and then you look at the it's just the back row. I mean, we talked about Willis, but you know, Jamie Ritchie and Hamish Watson and and the, the England contingent, Aaron Wainwright with Wales. There's so many back rowers who are perfectly suited to get to playing against South Africa in South Africa. Some great options there. And then I don't know about, we've talked about the captain. I, I think the captain is down to two to two people, really, between Maro Itoji and, and Jamie George. I know Owen Farrell is nailed on to, to be in that test team, whether at 10 or 12, but he's not a tour captain for me. It's, it's, a, it's an ambassadorial role. As much as anything, it's obviously a huge leadership role, but you know, loads of responsibilities to be the face of the Lions, and that just doesn't suit Owen. But it would suit Marrow. I don't think Owen does ambassadors very well, then. No, but it would suit Marrow, and Jamie George would be superb at it. And he he'll start the first test, and he's he's a hugely influential leader. So I'll be looking at those two as well as as you know how they fare over the next few months. Very interesting. Are they really interesting? Well, well done, Alex. No, sorry. No, no, uh, <laughs> when you first said that, I didn't agree. But when you finished, I did agree. Do you guys think that there is a potential role in all this for Finn Russell? Or is he, A, not the right guy for a South African test tour, maybe other places? And B, is he just not likely to be a Warren Gatland-type player? I think he'd be great in midweek. Could, could bring some entertainment. But they're going to take a smaller squad because it's a shorter tour with fewer midweek games. So as much entertainment as he can provide, I don't see him as a Gatlin player. And when it comes to the test selection, I don't see him as an Owen Farrell player. And that may be just as important because Owen will play. And if he plays, if Owen plays at 12, just don't see him fitting in with a fly half of, of Finn Russell's style, just as he never really fitted in into a team with, with Danny Cipriani and, and you know, similar Similar, they both have a similar outlook on the game, Cipriani and, and yeah, Finn Russell. Right. So no, I I think it's I think obviously George Ford much more likely to go and and Dan Bigger too. Finn Russell, I slightly changed my mind about him watching him play Quinns for Racing, but uh, I guess you could say Arthur that uh, Racing had all the ball and absolutely almost all of it literally. Uh, he did play some lovely tricks, and uh, you can see why Gregor Townsend is very frustrated with him. He's certainly a talent, and he's certainly not anyone who's going to be cowed by people biffing him about, as as the South Africans do. I think he'd be a risk, but I'd like to think that someone with that attitude, harsh attitude, would go on the tour and then give him a chance to play himself in. But these days, uh, it's the Cipriani's and the um, the Finn Russells who tend to lose out to the the sort of machine men. And... um, in a way, it's uh, it's sad, but I'd like to st- I'd like to think he'd go with the Lions. I'd, I would it, like to think he'd go. I, I love watching him play. And you think back to the the, you know, the Champions Cup final against Exeter. You know, he does as much to get Racing back into the game as he, you know because he, he'll he'll throw that pass and he'll take that risk. And when it when it works for him, he gets his team on a roll. As we saw Scotland against England, when it when it works, it's brilliant. I just don't quite see him fitting into Warren Gatlin will want from his Lions where. I don't think they can afford to to gift anything away to the box. Mm. Could, could you chuck him on in the last twenty minutes to change a game? Well, I, I, of course you could. I'm just not sure. I quite see it working with Gatland and with and and with Farrell too. Just finally on that team, who do you see as the uh, as the Lions nine? I, I know that Gareth Davis is is probably the the, the front runner, and rightly so. But you get the impression that um, Wayne Pivac just doesn't want to pick him in. Um, 
uh, in his international side, which doesn't really help Gatland, or maybe Gatland's seen enough of him already. Wales get into this thing and they still do it after all these years. They want they want Barry John to be the 10 and they don't like anyone who hasn't got that sort of gift and Gareth Edwards to be the 9. Well, it's ridiculous. And at one stage this, in the in the uh, autumn, Gareth Davis wasn't even on, even on the bench. Gareth Davis may not be the classical, gorgeous, passing, breaking scrum half, but he's a force of nature. Remember him playing for Wales against Australia in the World Cup? where he had this thing where he deliberately was intercepting passes. He'd worked out how to do it. He's powerful. He's got a certain arrogance about him. And if I'm playing against the Springboks, he'd be the first person I wrote down on the team sheet. After Duncan Taylor, of course. I'd agree. And I think the issue that that Warren Gatland has is that he will want to base his selections around the Six Nations. And someone like Ben Spencer will struggle to get a look in as good as he is because he won't be playing for England. And on that basis, Ben Youngs would probably be on the bench behind Gareth Davis. If, if Gareth Davis can, can can get involved, he's probably got an advantage because Warren Gatland knows him uh, more intimately than, than, than the Ben Spencer. But it's tricky for those who we all think are test quality but aren't being picked by their country to then work their way into a, into a Lions, in, particularly into a, a, a slightly narrower Lions touring squad which it will be this time. But Alex, don't yeah. you think that um, Warren is is completely is wise enough to know that Eddie doesn't always pick for various reasons the man who is generally thought of to be the best player in the position and would actually dip down below out of the England squad if he if he felt the need. He definitely does. It's whether you know, as as Owen just said, Ben Spencer's played. Uh, I suppose Ben Spencer five five minutes of Test rugby. But he has played Champions Cup finals, which is as, as close a, uh, a test as you'll as you'll get. So, so I mean, maybe I'm going back on myself. Maybe he will take all that into account. I just think it's harder for someone like Ben Spencer to win selection for a Lions tour if he's not playing Test rugby. He will have to rely on Warren Gatland assessing his body of work in in Champions Cup semi-finals and finals, mm. and hope that that's enough to convince Gatland he can do it on the on the biggest stage when it hasn't convinced Eddie that, that he can do it on the biggest stage. I think he might end up going with um, with, with two or even three Welsh scrum halves. I mean, Reese Webb is still not quite what he was four years ago, but um, I think it, it, if Warren thinks he, he, he can polish that off and, and, and get back the player of old, I think he'd go for him ahead of almost anyone else. I just, I, I think that, I think it's a, a problem position uh, and, mm. um, uh, and, and and as you say, there's, there are good English options, but they're just not getting the chance. So they won't, won't get the chance to play under pressure. And Dan Robson, I, I, you know, who knows how good he could be or could have been, but he's a guy who needs to play regularly under under the pressure of of, of international yeah. rugby. And um, he's just not, not been given that opportunity, which, uh, as as you might have noticed earlier, I, I find slightly bizarre. Yeah. Inside centre is an interesting position for the Lions too. If they pick Ford Farrell, then it, it's set. All things being equal, you might say Manu... You know, Farrell, Manu, but, you, but Manu Tulangi is coming back from such a bad injury that you can't be sure he'd be ready. Certainly can't be sure he'd be on, on top form. So you know, picking a, an inside centre is not the easiest thing for the line. I mean, they, they, they've got a wealth of talent in other positions, but just look at 12 and think, I'm not quite sure where they'll end up going. In terms of Lions selection and for England, I thought there's a very, very significant uh, advance in Galway. I thought Kyle Sinclair finally looked like he was enjoying life in the Bristol jersey and he carried 
absolutely magnificently, not like once a half, three or four times a half. And it looked like he was really finding his feet. And uh, that is great news for England and the Lions. He is an excellent Lion. He loves it in a Lion shirt. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Shall we finish off with a god uh, or a goddess? 2020 was uh, a crappy old year, but um, let's... Let's salute the uh, the god or goddess of the year. I've got a couple of contenders. One would be Ugo Monia, but he works for a rival podcast, so he can't possibly win it. But um, as sort of the, the the leader or the symbol of the of the um, Black Lives Matter movement in rugby in in England, I thought um, he deserves recognition. I think he did a great job. Secondly. Pablo Matera, who led Argentina to uh, victory over the All Blacks. Absolutely fantastic, though his internet history isn't great, so he can't quite, can't quite take the title. So I'm actually going to give my God of the Year to administrators, which might surprise everyone, but there were some, some administrators in Super Rugby who appeared to have invited Fiji to join their competition in the year 2022. So on the promise or, or, or the suggestion that that might happen, I think that's one, one of the very few things that's happened to rugby in 2020 that is really absolutely fantastic. So hail the administrators of Super Rugby. I love your Ugo nomination, Slotty. I would definitely endorse that. He taught me a lot this year, and I thought he did a, just a brilliant service for the game. But I think when I look back on the year and the difficulties and the misery we all had, there were some players that put a smile on your face. And for that, I'll, I'm going to select Antoine Dupont, just the player of the Six Nations, just uh, the symbol of, of the kind of French rebirth and just played the game uh, in just such an electric, exciting way. And so when I, when I reflect on the rugby played in 2020, I think Mario Toji was superb, but... Dupont is the is the image that I'll have in my mind. So for rugby reasons, I'll pick him. For wider, probably more important reasons, I would endorse your selection of Ugo. I um, have got one that could be described as controversial. What I do like, incidentally, is David Fatman commentating on scrums on the TV. I absolutely love that. I absolutely adore Luke Pierce for his refereeing. Uh, they were all given a kick in the backside by the RFU, Tony Spreadby and World Rugby in the same week to referee the five-second rule, the back of rucks, get the scrums down, etc. But it was he who was first out there on a Friday night in the game between Northampton and Bristol. And it was Luke who was first out there and he put it all into practice. And he is the the heart of the last few weeks and, and the, 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 the game speeding up despite Eddie Jones saying that it can't be. But my man of the year is Nigel Ray. Nigel Ray is the most unassuming benefactor that game has ever had. He's a magnificent bloke. Some of the things that have been said about him in his name are despicable and actionable. His administrative error, and that's all it was, cost Saracens all their momentum, and he never complained He just got on with the job. He continues to invest. He continues to put millions into the the Saracens Foundation. He's now building his second primary school and is the greatest man I've ever met in rugby. And long may his reputation not be so horribly maligned. Nigel Ray. Very good, Jonesy. Well, I think that takes us to the end of the year, boys. Well done, everyone, for making it. It has been bloody hard. Thank you to everyone who's listened this year. Thank you for sticking with us. 
please come back again. 2021 is going to be better. We all know that. And um, we look forward to talking to you then. Happy New Year. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.